Welcome to our annual Lessons and Carols, so glad to have you here tonight. We always look forward to this time, and we pray the Lord will bless it. We honor Him with our gathering tonight, and we thank Him for the sending of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Just two announcements. Following our program tonight, we will be meeting in the fellowship hall for a time of fellowship, donuts and cider, and we hope you'll join us. Stay around, fellowship, get to know one another. Secondly, next Sunday is Christmas. Our church is having a reduced schedule. We'll have one service in the morning at, night, at 10.30. No Sunday school, no evening service. But we hope you'll join us on the Lord's Day as we celebrate the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I read somewhere that celebrating the coming of Christ by being absent from church would be like celebrating the, your wedding anniversary by being absent from your spouse. So don't do that. 
come on and join us uh, next Sunday. If you don't have a place to be, we will gather together with the people of God around the Word of God and praise the God of the Word. At this time, we'll take the evening offering if the ushers are ready. Come ahead, gentlemen, and we will have a word of prayer, and the offering plates will be passed. I should say we continue to make some prom- progress on our Faith Promise program. Beacon folks know what that is, of course. We still have a ways to go, so please join us prayerfully if you haven't already done so. Let's pray. Father, we gather together in the name of Jesus Christ. We gather together in honor of Jesus Christ. We gather tonight to remember the incarnation of Christ and what that incarnation, our incarnation, incarnation was all about. We gather to remember why he came to save sinners and to acknowledge that we are sinners in need of salvation and to thank you for the one who was given that sinners might be cleansed from our sins. Oh, Father, make us children of the Most High God. Teach us to live and walk in such a way that we honor the one who gave himself for us. Please bless the remainder of our time tonight and use it to honor our Savior and to minister to the needs of hearts as we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Lesson 1, Micah 5, 2 through 5. God foretells the one who would come from Bethlehem. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Therefore he shall give them up, until the time that she who is in labor has given birth, then the remnant of his, chil- of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and this one shall be peace.
Lesson 2, John 1, 1 through 14, as John unfolds the great mystery of the Incarnation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines forth in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That light was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth.
Lesson 3, Isaiah 11, 1 through 5. The prophet foretells the coming of the Savior. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and the faithfulness the belt of his waist.
Lesson 4, Luke 1, 26-33. The angel Gabriel salutes the Virgin Mary. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest. And, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Lesson 5 is taken from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, where Luke tells of the birth of Jesus. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governor, uh, governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was... that while they were there, the days 
were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn.
Lesson 6, Luke 2, 8 through 20. The shepherds go to the manger. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them.
stand please?
Lesson 7, Lamentations 3, 25 and 26, Luke 2, 25 to 32. God's promised Christ is seen by devout Simeon. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Lesson 8, 1 John 4, 9 through 10, and Philippians 2, 5 through 11. The love of God is manifest in Christ. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, 
but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. And being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Lesson 9 from Colossians chapter 1, 12 through 19. Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, is preeminent in all things. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. 
He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell.
Let's turn in our Bibles for a few minutes tonight to the second chapter of Luke. We're going to look at verses 34 and 35. The final words of Simeon, the ones that we didn't deal with this morning, because I knew we wouldn't have time, so I saved them for tonight. Let me express my deepest gratitude to Greg Phillips and Amy and the other musicians, Priscilla, the choir. You have done a a masterful job in leading us in worship tonight, preparing our hearts for the season when we celebrate the incarnation of Jesus. To, to entitle what I have to say tonight, I will call it The Blessings and Burdens of Christmas. The Blessings and Burdens of Christmas. We like to focus upon the blessings, don't we? We tend to shy away from the burdens, but both are involved in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what we're going to look at tonight is what we might call Simeon's third prophecy about Christ. The first one is not recorded for us, but we're told about it. We're told that Simeon was a man, a prophet of God, in the city of Jerusalem in the days when Jesus was born. And we are told that he had received a message from God telling him that he would not die until the Christ was born. That is quite a message. That's the only message that I know of that pinpoints, not with exact detail, but pinpoints with rather general knowledge when Jesus was going to be born, before Simeon dies. And Simeon no doubt declared that throughout the city of Jerusalem and beyond. So that's Simeon's first prophecy. It came to him and assured him that he would live to see the Christ child. Simeon's second prophecy is actually a prayer raised to God, but in the course of that prayer we find prophetic information about the coming Christ. He said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And it goes on to say that Joseph and his mother marveled at these things which were spoken by Simeon. And it appears to be that what amazed them was this message about Christ not only being the Messiah for Israel, but also for the whole world, all peoples, plural, to the Gentiles, as well as the glory that is brought to Israel. And though the people in Israel, for the most part, had been looking for a Messiah to come and to save them, Simeon now declares that the Christ child has come to save the world. And that is amazing information that amazed Joseph and Mary, and that is the second prophecy of Simeon. But there is yet a third, because Simeon took up his prophetic utterance and spoke a word to Joseph and Mary, and primarily to Mary. When we read in verse 34, then Simeon blessed them, Joseph and Mary, and the Christ child, and said to Mary his mother, 
Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. That's the prophecy, the third prophecy of Simeon, spoken to Mary about her son and telling us several things about him, what he's going to do when he comes. And we will number them and speak about each one very briefly. But Simeon says that he, Christ, will cause many to fall. Behold, this child is destined for the fall of many in Israel. That is a reference to falling to destruction. That many are going to stumble and fall at the message of Christ. They are not going to receive it. They are not going to be blessed by it. They are not going to be benefited by it. But instead, they are going to fall to their own destruction because of their unbelief and their rejection of that which God has done in such marvelous love and grace. That's not a happy message of Christmas. That's one of the burdens of Christmas. That in Christ's coming, he is coming to bring judgment upon those who refuse to bow the knee. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But only those who bow now are going to be saved and blessed in the bowing. Those who are forced to bow at the day of judgment are going to fall before him to their own destruction. He will cause many to fall. Simeon secondly tells Mary that he, Christ, will receive much opposition. For a sign, we read in the last part of verse 34, which will be spoken against. The sign is something that is prominent, something that is on display. That's what sign means to us. We see signs along the highway. And that's something that is placed there for the purpose of being prominent, to be seen. It's not much good to put a billboard out and then to allow trees to grow up in front of it so that it can't be seen. But if it's going to be effective, if it's going to truly be a sign, then it has to be something that is in public view, that is conspicuous. And Simeon told Mary, your child is going to be a sign. He's going to be well known. He's going to be conspicuous throughout the nation of Israel. But he is going to be a sign, as we read here, which will be spoken against. He will receive much opposition. As you read about the life of Christ, you love to read about the miracles he performed, the people that he healed, the wonderful words of life that he spoke, the beautiful beatitudes that he gave, the kindness and love that he demonstrated in his relationship with so many people. The woman taken in adultery, he said, neither do I condemn you. Go your way, sin no more. But nevertheless, he was kind and loving, and we love to read about those things. But don't skip too quickly over the parts that talk about the slander, the hatred, the vitriol, the opposition, the attempts by 
many in Israel to stop him from what he was doing, to silence him. As I was reading a little bit about that, even just this afternoon, I thought, cancel culture is nothing new. That's what they were trying to do to Jesus. They were trying to cancel him, to keep him from proclaiming the message. They, they rose up in anger when he made his claims to being the Son of God because they understood that to mean he was equal to God. And on and on it goes. Opposition, and that's exactly what Simeon told Mary in the temple. The Simeon was holding the Christ child and spoke his words of blessing upon the child, but looking down at that child and looking to Mary, his mother, he said, he will receive much opposition. Get ready for that. It's coming. Third, we're told that he will be the source of much grief. For Simeon goes on to say in verse 35, yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. A sword, Mary, will pierce through your own soul also. We focus upon the anguish that Mary received when she saw the way her son that she knew was filled with love and grace was being treated by the enemies of truth. Right there in his own nation, he was not received of his own And yet those who did receive him, those who did believe, became the sons of God. But so many of them did not. And they they opposed him on every, every count, every score where they could. And I'm sure every hateful word, every act of opposition brought anguish to Mary's heart. But that culminated when she stood at the foot of the cross and saw her own son, the one that she had birthed into the world in that 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 stable in Bethlehem 30-some years before, that precious little child that Simeon is now holding in his arms, now grown, who has poured out his life, poured out his love and grace in the land of his people, and they have hated him, and now they are crucifying him, and there he hangs upon the cross, and indeed a sword. And that particular Greek word for sword means a broad sword with a broad blade, a sword will pierce your own heart. He will be the source of much grief, of much intense sorrow. And that word also means that Mary's not the only one who's going to experience this. She maybe will experience the grief more than others because she's his mother. Many of you have have watched that demonstrated in the lives of your mother and your your wife and mother of your children. You've seen how any problem, any grief, any difficulty that they go through seems to be harder on the mother than it is upon the child. But Mary wasn't the only one whose heart was squeezed with anguish and grief because of Jesus. Hers was also, but others were as well. All who loved him also received much grief and would continue to experience much grief in the days to come, even after he was raised from the dead and ascended back to heaven. The opposition to Christ did not stop just because he was no longer present. It continued on. And therefore, all of his people and those who believed in him and loyal were loyal to him experienced much grief and anguish 
even until this day. And God's people today are called upon to do that. This is not the message of Christmas that we like to remember, but it's the part that we need to remember. We need to be prepared for grief and anguish for the cause, for the sake, for the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. The fourth thing that Simeon said was, he will force many to be exposed. That, verse 35, the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. All of these things that will take place in his life, including and culminating in his death upon the cross, are going to expose the true thoughts of hearts. Some were openly hostile to him and did not hold it back, but many endeavored to remain neutral. And yet, as time went on, they were forced to reveal their attitude toward Christ. Are you for him or against him? Do you love him or do you hate him? Do you believe in him or do you reject him? And little by little by little, the true thoughts of hearts were drawn out where they may be revealed. That's true even today. It's a sad thing when we see those who seemed to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But as time goes on and the circumstances intervene in their lives, we begin to see a change, begin to see an attitude difference, begin to see less interest in Christ, less loyalty to, to his people, less interest in his word, more antagonism toward his people until eventually the true thoughts of the heart, disguised for sometimes years, are eventually brought out. Like Judas, who was a disciple of Christ in such a convincing one that even the other disciples thought he was a true disciple. But eventually, the true thoughts of his heart were exposed. And that's exactly what Simeon said would take place, that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. But, and I'm glad I can conclude on this note, I've given you four things that are burdens, not blessings. He will cause many to fall. He will receive much opposition. He will be the source of much grief. He will force many to be exposed, but he will bring many to salvation. That's the first, or the second thing that Simeon said. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And that rising speaks of salvation. Those who are low in the dust because of their realization of their sin, their guilt before God, they feel the anguish of their sin. They feel the burden of their lost condition. They feel the need of salvation, which they cannot produce within themselves. They must have divine help. And God sent his son for people like that. This is why Christ came. This little child in the arms of Simeon has come for not only the fall of many, but for the rising of many. 
And those who, recognizing their sin and guilt and need, will cast themselves upon Jesus Christ, will be raised to new life, raised to everlasting life, raised out of the dust with hearts made new by the Spirit of God, hearts filled with joy and gratitude for what God has done, hearts that want to bless and praise the Lord as we have done here tonight. And God's blessing rests upon those who believe his word and stand true because this whole text begins with these words, then Simeon blessed them. That's what he did before he said these words. Who did he bless? Mary and Joseph. They were going to experience a lot of grief and hardship and misunderstanding and ridicule and slander because of what they were called upon to do for the sake of Christ and for the sake of others. But they are being blessed by Simeon, blessed who is a prophet of God, blessed in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God upon Simeon, blessed to be given strength, blessed to be given stronger faith, blessed to have everything they need to carry out the task that God has given to them, and blessed one day to be forever with the Lord in heaven and with the company of his people. And in such a fashion shall all of those be blessed who trust in him. Oh, I pray that you, along with all of us, will be so blessed and will be forever and ever with the Lord. Shall we pray? Father, how we thank you for the giving of your Son. How we thank you that there is a Savior from sin. How we thank you that there's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins where sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. How we thank you that even the dying thief, just short hours, maybe only minutes before the departure of his spirit into the world beyond, believed on Jesus Christ and was saved. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. We praise you for this, Lord God. We want to thank you for the birth of Katie Scott Isley, the first grandchild of Kevin and Joanna. We want to pray for Carol Shaw, who's in the hospital and is needed, O oh Lord, to be able to care for her dear sister, and we pray that you will raise her up to health once again. We pray for our dear brother Greg Phillips, who sacrifices so much to be with us and to minister to us week by week. And as he undergoes surgery this Friday on his knee, we pray, O oh Lord, that you will give him speedy healing. And Father, we pray for all who are gathered here tonight. Some, perhaps we would think most, have been redeemed by the blood of Christ, have been made alive by the work of your Spirit, have been born again into the family of God. But, Father, we know that there are some who are yet outside of Christ. O oh Lord, come in gracious power. Come to show them their sin and need. Come to convict them. Come, O oh Lord, to humble them in the dust before Jesus Christ, the little babe of the manger who is, in fact, King of kings and Lord of lords. We ask these things in his name. Amen.